Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets. Meteorologist Ed Russo here. And I'm meteorologist Tom Russell. It's always nice to catch up with you, Ed. But more importantly, our viewers, our listeners catching up here on our podcast. And uh, we've got lots to talk about this time around. Yeah, we've got, obviously, we're getting into severe weather season here, especially as we head into the month of May. Um, and the National Weather Service is having their Severe Weather Awareness Week this week. And then we right. are kind of dovetailing that into our own severe weather awareness week next week so we have a lot of stuff coming a lot of content to cover yeah and and this has been an incredible season to watch because we've had so much action in the midwest in the deep south uh as we record this we just had that uh tornado in the oklahoma city area in a town called cole which is just south of oklahoma city so very very impressive season thus far tornado action is way up um, so do we have some reasons for that? Yeah, you know, on the tail end of a La Nina, um, or after a La Nina has died, basically, because La Nina is basically gone. We're still seeing the effects of La Nina because there's a lag. We tend to see a pretty active severe weather season. I mean, this is kind of reminiscent of 2011. It really uh, is. Uh, I was looking here at Twitter as we were talking about this Oklahoma one, and uh, what popped up was a a uh, high school gymnasium, Shawnee High School gymnasium, completely destroyed. And when you think about it, you know, school is one thing, but you think about the gym, that's always like cinder block. And, you know, other than the roof, it's usually a pretty sturdy structure. And that's where people sometimes go, right, for for protection. And this thing is just gone. All you yeah. see is the basketball court. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, are you referring to the uh, Oklahoma from last night? Yep, last night. So it was uh, what was yesterday, four nineteen, Shawnee High School, and uh, just looking at the picture here, uh, you know, and, and we've taken for granted. I was telling somebody this. I got I got was telling Joel D the other day. We take for granted the pictures and the videos that we get now mm-hmm. as this stuff is playing out, and we, <laughs> I think, as meteorologists, we take it for granted because this was stuff you only saw in textbooks. And you know, well, I'll never see that in my lifetime. And you're seeing these uh, meteorological structures, the supercell. You know, where you can literally see the shelf cloud, you can see the rain shaft, you can see all those things we studied in meteorology, but playing out in real time. And then the the radar echo, the hook echo in this case was like a textbook. You're like, you know, sometimes as meteorologists, we kind of have to look or look at different layers. This right. thing is just like a fish hook. And you're like, wow, incredible. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I mean, these 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 storms, um, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, Mm-hmm. Really, the 80s and 90s was an interesting time period because that's that's really when home video was becoming much more accessible to right, right. Everyone in the United States. You know, you got the big heavy camcorder is what we mm-hmm. called it. Yep. And people started putting tornado on film like we started actually getting video of tornadoes and people were really understanding that tornadoes don't necessarily look like what you see on the wizard of oz that perfect <laughs> shape that perfect right you get you get all these different types of tornadoes some don't even look like tornadoes some don't even have a visible funnel all right. you know is because there's a debris cloud at the at the surface but there's no you know funnel that's connecting from the sky to the ground so you just started seeing all these different examples of of tornadoes how they look and then um, it was still relatively rare in the 80s and 90s to get um, to get, you know, obviously decent tornado video, but it was obviously happening right. more. And then with the advent of cell phone technology and everybody has a camera, oh. now, we're just we're just seeing them left left and right. So just exploded. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to your point, I guess it was about a week ago. 
I think you were working that day. It was a Saturday. Adams County had this funnel cloud that uh, there was a video and then somebody took a, uh, a screenshot or a still shot of the video. And it was a funnel cloud in uh, Adams County. Am I right? Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was, I was explaining to folks that what they do is they go back and look for any damage, but it's not officially a tornado until that funnel cloud uh, makes contact with the ground. And that was a little confusing to people because they were like, I saw a tornado. No, it was a funnel cloud. And then there was no damage to go with it. So the National Weather Service, I don't even think really surveyed, did they? No. And, you know, there was one picture where it did look like there was a debris cloud at the baseline. It was very, yeah, yeah it, it, you know, it's really hard to tell from right. obviously a picture. But, um, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely a funnel. And the thing is, um, you know, so much of those really super weak tornadoes or, or, or funnel clouds that never materialize into a tornado, uh, their, their life cycle, their lifespan is so brief that the, you know, the radar can sometimes miss it, you know, cause it does these scans right. and in between scans, you could have a, a spin up and it dies before the scan comes around again. Right. So, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, these spin-ups can be very, very difficult to detect. And fortunately, a very brief spin-up is more often than not weak. Sometimes right. it's only as much as 60, maybe 70 miles an hour. Well, we should kind of talk about that as we lead into uh, severe weather season. So the one in Adams County kind of said, okay, yeah, this is starting to be our active season. So at CBS 21 and here on the podcast, we're talking about severe weather week, which will uh, play out here. So what we've done as a weather team is put together uh, different types of severe weather, kind of touch on, uh, Steve's going to talk on, uh, you know, how a tornado actually forms. You're going to talk about lightning safety. Uh, the one thing that you brought up that I'm going to touch on is that tornadoes get all the um, publicity, all the excitement, but it's really wind events that we see, we experience here in central PA. And you pointed out to me that sometimes even after a tornado warning has been issued and you know storm plays out, we go back and we find it was actually a microburst or with some straight line wind damage. So yeah. I'm going to emphasize to our viewers, our listeners, that you have to take them all seriously, not just the tornado ones, right? Yeah, you know, it's a tornado obviously has a, you know, it's a much better story to people and you can visibly see it. You can't, it's not like you're in the middle of a field and you're like, oh my gosh, look at those straight line winds coming. You know, it's, right. you know, it's just not as visually, um, it's just not as visually stimulating to the eye. A tornado is, you can see it coming. You can see yep. the threat. You can and that's what everybody out. wants to talk about. Oh, I went through a tornado or a tornado yeah. came close by my house. And that's kind of, uh, you know, what everybody talks about. Um, so I'm going to do a piece on, where you should go during a tornado i think everybody knows a basement but what if you don't have access to a basement maybe you're at work and you have a different type of building uh, i'm going to be touching on <laughs> excuse me touching on that um you're going to talk about pet safety that's something people forget about right yeah you know it's it's you know i'm um if you go on to you know the national weather service site and you know you, you you're looking for pet safety stuff and i've done this it was the same way you know five years ago you uh -huh. go on there and it says what to do that they have a whole page dedicated to pet safety. Okay. Most most of their tips regard winter weather. And then when you go to the severe weather tab, it basically says, make sure you have a plan in place to keep your pets safe. It's like, okay, but then what does that mean? So that's what I mean by it's overlooked. It's like, make sure right. you have a plan for your plan for your pets. All right. But 
What does it's, it really look like? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the problem people make. They, you know, they say, oh, we'll, we'll take our dog and cat down with us when we need to take shelter. It's like, no, because when you're going after your cat, especially when you're stressed. Yeah. Cats go in the opposite direction of you. Yeah. And (laughs) they may go under the bed, but they may go under the bed on the third floor. Dogs will, uh, oftentimes go into the bathroom, into the bathtub, but it may be the bathroom on the second floor. You know, I know, I know, I forget why this is, but I know that dogs are attracted to plumbing. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, forget why, but there is a, I don't know. I've been a dog owner in my life. I haven't heard that. You know, yeah. they, I know in the, in the summertime, like, because the it's cool, usually around the, the, the toilet. <laughs> Plus they like yeah. to get a drink. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it, it, but more more often than not, you know, especially when a when a when a storm is coming, you know, the these pets will will oftentimes go into the bathroom and right. times uh uh you know near plumbing and it just it's just you know funny to watch because dogs seem to have the right idea like I need to oh myself, totally so. But- um, I used to live, I used to be a meteorologist in Orlando and I had, uh, my dachshund and, uh, I, before like an inkling of thunder, before the storm was even close, this dog would run into the bathroom and hop into the tub, yep. like instinctually. And, you know, you'd hear the, the little feet on there and for a dachshund to make that leap into a tub is no small feat um and she could get herself in there in times of uh what she perceived as peril uh but she, but i could always tell when a storm was coming she would hop into the tub say right there's there's an instinct there to get to a safe place yeah yeah absolutely and you know like we said you know we think they know what to do but obviously they don't know exactly where to go and you know when when dogs are you know cats are definitely hard to wrangle up hard to capture yeah but when you're trying to get your dogs even a dog that is easy on command and will say you know you say come and the dog will come to you when when you're stressed and certainly when there's a storm coming and they're already and the dog's stressed because they hear thunder right um, they're not necessarily going to be as cooperative you know and sometimes you know our, our our dog he passed a few years ago but benny he would uh he would go in the bathroom and normally when you'd say come he would come but when he was scared he would freeze wow. so yeah so don't assume that your dog's just going to come right with you when you need to get down to your safe spot cuz when when a warning is issued that means a you know a tornado's been been spotted on radar it's been right. spotted by uh, you know an observer on the ground law enforcement a storm chaser whatever when a tornado warning is issued, you have to get to your basement or wherever yep. your safe spot is. And in a two-story home, I like to say it should take no longer than 20 seconds to get there. Yeah, so you we- and I did that with, uh, I think it was last year, we did a demonstration with my dogs. Yeah. It hears me with multiple pets. What, it's just me at home. What, do you have time to find both, grab both? I mean, you really point right. out. Um, so as long as we're on the subject, the best thing to do is basically put them in that safe place ahead of time, right? That's what you recommend. Yeah. So, you know, maybe confine them to a room downstairs, still give them some space. Right. Uh, but then when a warning is issued, once you get to your safe space, put them, you know, put them in their crate because the crate's going to insulate them from any debris that may get flung around, you know? And it's like, well, how do I know when a warning, how would I, kn- like, I don't want to leave them in there all day. So 
how do I know when there's going to be a warning? And that's true. You don't. So I would definitely, this is a good time for people to actually be watching the radar. If the county west of you is under a tornado warning, let's say you're, you live in York County and there's a tornado warning in, Ab in Adams County, that's your cue to go downstairs and confine your uh -huh. pets. You know what? So, that's a good, uh, that's a good little hint there. I like yeah, that. Yeah. So people, you, you have to understand the danger that's approaching you before there's even a warning issued when you got a plan for this stuff. You can't just wait until there's a warning when you're trying right. to find your pet. So that's a good way to maybe um, not leave your pets crated all day. Uh -huh. Because I, and I understand you don't want to have your pets right. every day, but when you see the line approaching you, when you see the storms approaching you, and when they're within a county distance away, that's probably a good time to, you know, get it done stairs yep. and get them all set and you know bring them their toys their treats try to try to get them acclimated another good thing to do is when you're doing your severe weather safety plan is to on a nice sunny day like today when the weather's quiet take them downstairs and put them in their crate and do right. it treat do it with a toy get them to be have positive associations with their safe place right uh, so again, this is uh, well, the reason we're talking about this. We're going to emphasize severe weather season and uh, getting you ready uh, all next week on uh, CBS 21. So uh, you talked about, you know, getting to your safe place. The other thing with pets, though, before we move on, you talk about heat. So, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, dogs particularly don't sweat like we do. So what's your uh, ideas for taking care of your pets when it's hot? Yeah, so obviously never take your dog on an errand with you if you can't also bring them out of the car. Yeah, good point. Uh, good point. You know, um, I know sometimes people leave their windows cracked. Even that way, it becomes uncomfortable for the dog to be in, inside, especially with a leather interior where, the, you know, the, the color is all black. Even when your windows are cracked open, it still gets really, really hot. So right. Right. I, would, I would never... Uh, recommend taking a pet along with you unless um unless you can take them outside they're coming out with you yeah no not even if it's five seconds you yeah. know you just have to run into the store to get something because here's what happens and and this is the example i like to bring up you know sometimes you go into the store and you're going to just go in there quickly grab something and get out well guess what sometimes you run into somebody that you haven't seen in a year and you catch up and you start having a conversation. Yep. And then you totally forgot that you left the dog out there. Totally forget because yep. you're, you're thrown off course because you ran into somebody that you didn't expect to. And that's just one example. There's a whole other host of things that could delay you and right. your whole train of thought. And it's not because you're an irresponsible pet owner. It's, right. it's human nature, obviously, to to be that way. So and and mistakes do happen. You know, I don't I don't don't like to refer to that as a mistake because obviously it's right. something catastrophic that can happen if you're not careful but same thing with kids obviously if you cannot take them with you yep, yep. they don't they stay home it's amazing how often that happens and like you said yeah. people don't mean to but it does um so let's go over a couple other topics oh you did a great story uh on uh the meteorologist at millersville they do a balloon launch so i think nowadays people are still surprised to hear that oh come on you don't still launch balloons for you know, weather purposes. Sure we do. So you actually got to uh, yeah. kind of go along with one of their balloon launches. You're going to do a story on that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, balloon launches are done every day. Most national weather services across the country do balloon launches every day. And and honestly, the, 
you know, yes, I think the first weather balloon that was launched was by a French meteorologist back in the 18th century or the or the 19th century, so late 1800s. And a lot of the data that a weather balloon will collect will go into the models that we use to help us forecast. So weather balloons are always going to be um, important. Now, there is some talk about, obviously, transitioning balloons to drones, having drones take, take measurements, yeah. but uh, balloons, balloons, like a, a weather balloon, for instance, when you launch it, it'll be about six feet in diameter, and the balloon will probably expand to 30 feet in diameter by the time it pops at about 100,000 feet. And so, wow. yeah, so they go really, really high. They go, you know, they go super high in the sky up to 125 miles. So um, there's a, there's a, you know, it's, 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 it's very interesting how high they go before they pop and through all layers of atmosphere, they are getting data, temperature, dew point, uh, right. relative humidity, wind direction, wind speed, and all that stuff gets put into model data that, you know, we use to help us forecast. forecast right. So what, what, the important thing is that the sensor, the radius on that that's attached to the balloon rises with the balloon and that sensor takes all the measurements. So that's always going to be important in meteorology. I mean, if yeah. we, if we went a day without launching weather balloons, the model runs that we see the next day could be catastrophically wrong. So well, it yeah, is it's, it's really guess, important. Yeah. yeah. And I guess people see it as something that's kind of an antiquated. Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah. I think people are like, really, we still do that. Yeah. But no, it's, it's always going to be important. Um, it's always going to be kind of, you know, very necessary. Um, yeah. So Millersville, depending on the situation, they'll be launching, they routinely launch balloons. If there's say a, a significant weather event, say a severe weather event, that's going to be happening in the next few hours, maybe the next six to 12 hours, they'll launch multiple balloons. Very cool. Yeah, to get right. multiple reading. Yeah. That story is going to air Thursday, the twenty seventh, on CBS twenty one. Bless you. And, uh, and we'll, bless you. <laughs> sneeze on. It's raining. I'm going to sneeze out here. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, the stories that we're talking about are going to air multiple times on different days. So maybe you're catching our new newscast or eleven p.m. Whatever. Uh, so you'll have a couple of chances to do that. And of course, you can always find them on our website. So that balloon launch story is going to be on Thursday, the twenty seventh. The one that I uh, I emphasize every year, and I'm starting to sound like um, the boy who cried wolf, but we're way overdue for major flooding. And, and I, I, I couch that because I'm not rooting for it. I don't want it to happen. But I think we've gotten so complacent sometimes uh, as the years go by without a flood that we forget that flooding is the most common natural disaster in Pennsylvania. Yeah, especially with its ridges and valleys. Exactly. We, we live in a floodplain. It's supposed to flood. So yeah. I'm doing a story on that. And it's not to scare people. It's just to, um, you know, kind of make you aware that if you've been living in this place or maybe you recently moved to a place, and you know, oh, I've never seen a flood here. Well, it's coming. It's yeah. coming. It's it's part of uh, living in uh, the Susquehanna Valley. So uh, that's one of the stories that I think is important that I'm going to be uh, talking about also getting your excuse me getting your house ready uh, for severe weather you know doing that once around the house to make sure that you know, nothing's changed since last year maybe the tree's grown a little more and there's a branch close to your your house or your gutter starting to fall apart so we're going to talk a little bit about that but we're very excited about uh, severe weather week at cbs 21 and again we'll be doing these shows uh, or doing these stories on air but also 
on the uh, on Facebook and on our website as well. So anything you're looking forward to next week? Yeah, well, I, I am looking forward to the flood story. Okay. Um, yeah, because that's that's always, you know, it's, it, it is kind of the forgotten child as far as threats. Right. Because uh, everyone's all focused on like thunderstorms and tornadoes. Yeah. But, well, yeah, a lot yeah. of times flooding is a, is a slow motion disaster. Uh, you yeah. know, for us here, you can get uh, nasty rain, say, up in Wilkesbury and uh, northeast PA, and then that becomes our problem. But maybe five days later, you know. Yeah. And it's a significant problem for the, you know, the lower Susquehanna Valley because most of the Susquehanna River is north of us. Right. So, you know, and all that water has to eventually come south you know i i i saw a radar loop the other day it was like probably three minutes long uh -huh. um of tropical storm lee oh 2011 2011 and it's just insane how much water came out of the sky oh my gosh and you know, you and know that, that's an that's an event that you recall oh my gosh yes <laughs> and you know what set the stage for that i remember well is we had a heavy rain in uh mid-august and things were really still saturated when Lee came along, which was the week of um, Labor Day. And that was just awful, that early uh, September flooding. And like I said, even after the rain ends, that's when the real danger begins for folks who live along a lot of the waterways. I mean, uh, just the flooding was devastating. There were a lot of changes after that. And that's one of the things we like to emphasize was um, a lot of municipalities went in and said, you know what, we're not going through this again. And they bought some people's houses out so that they could move and relocate. Do you remember how deep the water was in the Shipoke area? Well, I remember, you know, the, the it was in the, what, 24 range as far as the Susquehanna goes. Yeah. So, you know, when Shipoke, that, that whole first level is underwater, usually at that level. Yeah. And that, you know, and, so, that and that part of the, that second street ramp, that's closed. Right close for sure for yeah. sure so all right we got to go get ready for severe weather week next week we got lots to talk about so i'm excited for it yeah yeah me too tom and yeah we'll have segments uh every day monday through friday next week a lot of great content you're coming you're coming your way uh on air and online tom it was great catching up with you you too my friend happy uh, severe weather week we'll uh, talk right. again. you too <laughs> all right you're listening to it's raining mets